0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We, live. we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm Walker Mail. You can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. You can find my co-host Doug Branson on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and you can find the show handle on Twitter. At Lockdown Hornets. No, Doug today was a little bit busy doing other things for the Lockdown Podcast Network. Needed all day to work on that. So I'm going to be manning the fort. I owe him one. I owe him a couple, actually, because he was able to fill in for me on a Monday and a Tuesday when I needed it desperately. Very sick this past weekend. Trying to get over a lot of different things. I should be good now. Have been good. So. I'm going to take care of Doug Branson, help him out a little bit here. Uh, if you want to hear some more Doug Branson, I'm sure a lot of you Dougaholics do. He was on the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, so go check that out on Twitter. Uh, I believe Doug did retweet it. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Doug Branson L O H, and you can click on what he had to talk about with the Charlotte Hornets. I want to address one thing that he mentioned at uh, Fast Break did mention that maybe the Terry Rozier contract wasn't such a bad thing overall. And I think for the most part, the way that we've talked about Terry Rozier so far this season is that Terry's kind of been up and down, but it seems like he has been playing a lot better here as of late. And we've talked a lot about how the Hornets have found something off ball with Terry Rozier. And you look at the stats for Terry so far this season, especially here as of late, I think the numbers certainly have gotten better for him. He's averaging about 18 points per game, 17.7 to be exact. He's doing so on a 44% shooting from the field, rounded up. That's 43.6 to be exact. And his exact three-point percentage is at 40 and a half right now. And if you look at his game log, the way that he's been playing – in particularly this month, you know, or at least uh, what he's done the the couple of games of December, the couple of games he in December he's played, he shot fifty percent from the field and forty two percent from three. But you look at what he did over the course of November. You know, that that month being predominantly what the season has entailed so far. You know, that was forty three point one percent and forty point four percent from three the last few games that he's played. Uh, it's been, you know, pretty good. Forty seven percent starting against Washington, sixty six percent shooting against Chicago, forty six against Miami, had the one bad game against Detroit where he only shot twenty seven percent, went three of eleven from the field. But you guys get the picture. Terry Rogier has been playing a lot better and I, I think what you've seen from him on catch and shoot threes, what you've seen from him working off ball, it's really worked for the Charlotte Hornets team. Now that all goes to say how bad is this contract for Terry now, right? I think when you look at those numbers, he's certainly playing but like if you were to just do a a blind test, not having seen him play basketball, but look at these numbers, right? Let's say you're out west and you're and you trash the Terry Rogier signing. A lot of people did, right? A lot of people hated it. But if you were to just look at what he's doing so far, you might think, "Oh, okay, those are pretty good." And I certainly don't think that he's been nearly as bad as maybe people thought he would be. I also don't think that after the amount of games that they've played so far this season, and you know the Hornets are nine and fourteen right now. I also don't think that after just twenty-three games, you're saying, "Yeah, I'm cool with Terry Rozier." at 18 million dollars annually on this team but it's just interesting right like I, I think that was a signing that was in the running for worst in the league I think a lot of people hated the Ricky Rubio signing I think a lot of people hated the Terry Rogier signing I think those were a couple that had a lot of votes for worst acquisition via free agency this past offseason and you know the way that Terry is playing it it's making that contract look a little better it's still not a good one but it's making that contract look a little bit better. So hats off to Terry for playing pretty well. I don't know how sustainable it is, but I think he did show some progress in pick-and-roll decision-making this past game against the Warriors. That's something that I had been a big critic of. You know, I, I think with the way that he's been shooting, not being the primary ball handler, you know, Terry Rozier, just hats off to uh, the point guard slash combo guard, I should say, for actually playing a lot better. We mentioned one John Schumann stat that he tweeted out for NBA.com yesterday about Miles Bridges and him having the worst net rating differential as far as him being on the court and off the court for the Hornets. They're a lot better, according to that particular statistic, when Miles Bridges is off the floor. The offensive rating, the defensive rating, the net rating, right? The, the differential, um, Miles Bridges has a minus 22, a little bit over a minus 22, which is really bad. And again, that's not a stat that is the end all be-all to evaluate how Miles Bridges has performed, but that was a stat that we mentioned yesterday. And I wanted to mention another stat that John Schumann tweeted out yesterday, or earlier today, I should say, excuse me. So John Schumann of NBA.com tweeted out, here are the teams whose record belies their point differential by more than just one game. And it's only three teams that he put out there. It was the Phoenix Suns, they're nine and eleven. They have the point differential of plus 23 right now. They have a point differential of plus 23 and that indicates that they should be 11 and 9. Detroit, who is 8 and 14, they have a point differential of minus 1 and that indicates a team should be 11 and 11. Uh, Charlotte, at 9 and 14. They have the most dramatic um, in a in, in a positive way or negative way depending on how you look at it, but a positive way in what actually has happened with their record. So Charlotte at 9 and 14, they have a point differential of minus 170. And that indicates a team should be 6 and 17. And so I look at the point differential and we've talked about that quite a bit. You look at the Hornets schedule coming up, right? They have the Nets tonight. They already lost to the Nets. The Nets are 11 and 10 after losing Kyrie Irving for quite a few games. Kyrie Irving did not play against the Hornets when uh, they played on November 20th. And so you look at the Nets, they have the game tonight. Um, The Hornets also have the game against the Atlanta Hawks on Sunday. Atlanta has been really bad this season. They also have that game against Washington on Tuesday, December 10th. And Washington has not been good. They also play Brooklyn, and at Chicago. Both of those games are on the road. And that'll take us to Wednesday, December 11th, and Friday, December 13th, before the schedule. You know, you see Indiana, who's been playing very well. Then you'll see Utah, December 21st, Boston, December 22nd. You know, so you're going to see a little bit better teams, but it doesn't really pick up until you get to the month of January. And I just, you'll wonder how many games the Hornets are going to win, right? And there's some really winnable games the rest of the month of December. And their schedule has been very easy and it will be very easy up until that point. But I think it goes to show you that the Hornets are going to have a free fall once we have the turn of the new year. Not only because you have a really tough strength of schedule once January hits, but look at that stat and look like again, I'm not saying that you have to consider all of these stats, the end-all be-all. I'm just looking at this stuff and just kind of putting my own thoughts on it, right? So you look at that stat that John Schumann tweeted out, the point differential of minus 170. I mean, we know about the Hornets. The Hornets win against the Warriors of plus 15. That's by far the biggest margin of victory that that they've had this season and the nine wins that they were able to accumulate. The previous biggest margin of victory that they had was seven against the Kings earlier in the year and so they've averaged about three points per victory heading into that Warriors game which gets them a little bit more up in their average in that way but the Hornets man they're gonna have a free fall in January and it's fun right now baby I'll take all of the excitement that they're bringing us right now but this team I think is certainly in for a rude awakening win, and loss record-wise when you look at how the season is going to play out. Let's take a little bit more closer look at this game against the Nets tonight in segment two of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We always appreciate you joining us. We'll uh, move on to that Nets game again right after the break. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing... Mm -hmm then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than tough. counterclockwise. It's really tough. i It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. last played the Nets on November 20th, as I mentioned in the first segment. And when you look at the way the Hornets played, I believe Doug mentioned this yesterday, Hornets played really poorly. And there wasn't a whole lot of great play from individual players from the Nets standpoint as well. Spencer Dinwiddie had a pretty good game going 7 of 18, scoring 20 points. Jarrett Allen was 9 of 12. So Jarrett Allen actually had a really good game. And he set a season high at the time in rebounds attaining 17 rebounds in that contest and how about Torian Prince I believe it was early in that game if I'm not mistaken where he had four three-pointers he had 20 points to boot he had five free throw attempts he made four of them he would end up going six of 15 so it's not like it was the greatest field goal percentage in the world but going four of nine from three-point range early in that game the Nets had three 20-point scores that was again Dinwiddie Allen and Prince and that was really it. I mean, they, they, I guess they had uh, DeAndre Jordan hit all five of his field goals, but Joe Harris really struggled from the field, 3 of 12. Garrett Temple really struggled from the field, going 1 of 7 in this game. It was the Hornets, though, that really stunk up the place. P.J. Washington only had a couple of field goals, only played 12 minutes in this game for P.J. Cody Zeller only played 15 minutes in this game, going 2 of 5. You look at Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, And Devontae Graham, they all took at least 13 field goal attempts, and they all hit exactly five. Now, Devontae, exactly what he's been doing really all season long, excelling from beyond the arc and not doing very well within two-point range. His field goal percentage within two-point range, that does have to increase. That's a little concerning. But if he's going to shoot the lights out from beyond the arc, then that makes it a little bit easier to stomach. Devontae was five of 16 in this game, last go around against the Nets. Four of ten from three-point range with 17 points total. Terry Rogier was five of 14. Only two made three-pointers out of seven attempts. 18 points total. Did get to the free-throw line a little bit at six for six from the charity stripe. And Miles Bridges... You know, no surprise here. No trips to the charity stripe. It was something we were concerned about with Miles Bridges coming out of Michigan State. Still doesn't get to the line very much. Um, Did not in this game. Did have five rebounds. But Miles Bridges, they, they all struggled, man. Even Malik Monk, he had five field goals. He had four players with five field goals. And that tied for the most field goal makes in this game for the Hornets. And even Malik Monk goes five of 13 in this game scoring 13 points the Hornets are gonna have to play better offensively they only had 91 points in this game and they came out they scored 26 in the first quarter 25 in the second quarter and in the second half they just scored 22 in the third and 18 in the fourth so the Hornets really struggled offensively and also when you look at what happened in this game again I mentioned Jarrett Allen he'll look to control the boards again you know he had 17 rebounds that was a season high for him at the time. Bismack Biyombo, Cody Zeller, they didn't do much in the first matchup, so hopefully Bismack Biombo can continue his really good play here recently, maybe be a little bit more physical with the Afro and decide that he can get some rebounds over what is a, a young, promising player with the Brooklyn Nets. If you look at injuries, the Nets are the one that's bitten by the injury bug way more than what the Charlotte Hornets are right now. The Nets have Kyrie Irving out. Of course, we know Kevin Durant's out, but Kyrie Irving is not going to play in this game. Wilson Chandler not going to be playing in this game because of the PED suspension that he's undergoing currently. Also, Karis LeVert not going to be playing in this game due to injury. And so that's a big loss for them. Karis LeVert, Kyrie Irving, of course, Kevin Durant, but also Wilson Chandler. All those guys are out. And if you remember Rodion's Kourouks, he is going to be playing for Long Island this weekend. So uh, all of those guys are going to be out for this game. You should see a heavy dosage of Garrett Temple for the second time that the Hornets have faced them. Uh, Garrett Temple played 31 minutes in the first contest against the Hornets. And if you look at what Garrett Temple is going to play again, uh, Garrett Temple's been good for the Nets. I mean, he's been a good shooter alongside Joe Harris. And so Garrett Temple also brings the defense. We know about the 3 and D that he possesses. He's been a good player for the Nets. And so you can expect a heavy dosage of Garrett Temple once again. And we'll see if that continues to kind of help them right the ship while they have a couple of these injuries, right? Karis LeVert, I think a lot of people thought he would be a fringe all-star this season, but he's been out and injuries have kind of taken a toll on him. And so when you have guys like Kyrie, who's out, when you have guys like Karis LeVert, who's out, Garrett Temple has been a really nice pickup for the Brooklyn Nets. And he's helped them attain this winning record so far on the year. So Garrett Temple, somebody you're going to have to account for. Even if he didn't have a good game against the Hornets the first go-around, Temple, somebody that you're going to have to account for. So those are some of the things maybe to kind of look at from the Nets' point of view and also hoping that the Hornets can bounce back offensively against the Nets after really struggling the first go-around. There's a Twitter question I wanted to answer and put a Charlotte Hornets spin on it. We'll talk about that next to round out the Locked On Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school in die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad, a.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. A Twitter question I wanted to get to this was by Jesse Spector, and I've seen a lot of people have fun with this. So, Jesse Spector tweeted out, What's your favorite sports highlight that was immediately overshadowed by something that happened in that same game? And I think a lot of people, especially members of the Lockdown Hornets podcast, right, listeners that like to tune in, oftentimes they're going to be fans of other teams that are around the area and a lot of people have put the Marcus Page shot in that championship game against Villanova that's certainly a good one I saw Bomani Jones tweet an answer for this it was the shot that Tim Duncan hit before Derek Fisher hit that turnaround shot with like 0. 0.4 seconds to go it, you thought maybe they would only accept the tip in but Derek Fisher had that shot I believe that was in the 4 playoff so there's a couple of instances that come to mind immediately. But I was trying to think of some Charlotte Hornets instances that would fit this bill. And I couldn't think of many. If you want to tweet at us your instance that you can think of, tweet at us at Lockdown Hornets. The, the couple that I came up with, one, I don't love this answer because I feel like it still got a lot of play and maybe even more play than the, the moment that happened afterwards. But how about last season when Kimball Walker went for 60 points but that was trounced, of course, by Jimmy Butler's game winner. I, you know, of course, in significance, right? We care about the wins more than we care about the individual performances. And so that game is going to get remembered for Jimmy Butler's game winner by the Philadelphia 76ers fans. I think the Hornets fans will remember that Kimball Walker's 60 point game. In fact, that probably was the bigger storyline, I feel like. Like we talked about that quite a bit. So I don't know if that's a perfect example because the 60-point game was so memorable. You just don't see people go for 60 all that often, especially in a Charlotte Hornet uniform. It's a career high. It's a franchise record setter that we saw from Kimba that night against Philadelphia. Just Jimmy Butler's cold, man. And Jimmy Butler hit that game winner. So I don't know if that's the perfect example. One example that's as far as series long, this kind of bends the rules because I believe that question it does say in the same game. But if we're going to go with a series, you know, Courtney Lee's Game 5 winner in the 2016 playoffs, that was foiled by Dwayne Wade and Purple Shirt Guy in Game 6, and then, of course, the Hornets would get destroyed in Game 7. Like, I was trying to think of some Hornets angles, and I couldn't think of anything else that happened in the same game because I do think that Kimball Walker's 60-point performance was probably better remembered than Jimmy Butler's game winner. In fact, it was after that I think we got to see Kimba Walker getting MVP love on Around the Horn and some other shows like that where people were discussing can the Hornets have the record they have can they be a fringe playoff team and Kimba Walker still get some MVP consideration well that was after the 60 point performance so I think that's a little bit more memorable and then the Courtney Lee shot that's cheating because it's not in the same game it was in the same series and so those were a couple of the Hornets angles that I came at. But if you've got some that immediately come to mind, feel free to tweet at us again at Walkermail or at LockedOnHornets. Tweet some of the things that may come to your mind about some Hornets instances, some Hornets memories that were immediately foiled because of something else that happened later on in that game thanks for listening and remember you can subscribe to this show on apple podcast google podcast and spotify follow us on twitter at lockdown hornets again you can follow myself on twitter at walker mail and doug on twitter at doug branson loh thanks again for joining us as always we'll be back with you on monday of next week